culture. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Everyone. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. Pop my culture. It's the Pop My Culture Podcast with your hosts, Cole Stratton and Vanessa Ragland. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pop My Culture Podcast. I'm Cole Stratton. I'm Vanessa Ragland, and today we are joined by the delightful Miss Christine Rose. Hello. Hey, hey. you're glowing. I am indeed. Yeah. I'm sweating. But it's okay. Right. No, okay. We're, we're both a little nervous today. <laughs> it's nice to have a sweaty glow, though, I've found. <laughs> It's better than no glow at all. It's true. It's true. A dull nothing. It attracts very strange types. Like insects or people? No, guys I dated. Oh. Uh Uh Uh-oh. Not that kind of podcast. We don't have to go there. Thank you. We don't want to go to your (laughs) That would be kind of funny. That's how you're describing, you know, your girlfriend to your buddies. She's got like a sweaty glow about her. I don't know what it is. It's like sweat and glow. I love it. It's kind of sticky feeling. (laughs) Oh, clammy. Um, We're glad to have you here, Christine. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. There was this kind of hesitation. I'm very happy. <laughs> it's a charming atmosphere. Thank you. Oh, we're here in a log cabin in the Alps today. Yep. This is where we're broadcasting. We love Aspen so much yeah, we're that like we're like... Cozy mountain towns. That's our new thing. <laughs> thing. I'm growing a lumberjack beard, wearing only flannel. It's going to be nice. Just a flannel bib. Just a flannel. That's it. <laughs> the cool thing about radio is you get to lie the whole time. I know. No one knows where you're really broadcasting from. Even though we're not Which lying. Which is, you know, today. we're at a log cabin. Right. And Cole's wearing a beard <laughs> and a bib. <laughs> and just a bib. And that's why I have that sweaty glow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Christine is a little uncomfortable. It's, you know, Ooh. being unclothed is sexy enough. You add a bib to it. Yeah. That that's, pushes it over the top. Because that's tantalizing, because there is something we can't see. That patch of your chest that's a mystery to us that keeps us wanting more. Plus, it's like if we decide to go to dinner, you know, we know that I'm Ew. not going to dribble anywhere. Well, or if you I do, are going to dribble, but you have a I've target. Got a, I've got a target. <laughs> Which is better for me. I have this aimless dribbling that I do. It would be kind of funny to do a hidden camera thing and like walk into a restaurant, like a fancy restaurant naked wearing only a bib and seeing if Ugh. they turn you away. I'm pretty sure that's But the bib has a picture of a tie on it and a jacket. (laughs) So then maybe... And you have shoes on. Yeah, and I have shoes on, so... Shoes and bib, you get service. (laughs) That's what I heard. Christine, you've done a lot of things. <laughs> I was just going to nice change the subject segue. because um, well, I was nice getting segue. really creepy. Well, you should have. <laughs> we like to start on the creepiest note we possibly can. <laughs> and done. And I had already uh, mentioned I'm having an anxiety attack today. So <laughs> that, that's a good energy in the room, right? It's like... Zzzz. I'm smiling. You guys are really a lot of fun. So oh, that's good. good. Oh, that's good. good. Despite the nakedness and the stress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Still got a smile on that Cherubian face. It's true. You're not evil like some characters. No. That's not offensive. No, I'm not really. No, I'm not really evil. The nicest lady. Yeah, nor are my characters. Misunderstood. Yeah, I'd agree with that. um, I I thought that was the beautiful thing. Let's talk about heroes for a second. Uh, With Angela Petrelli. um, Heroes? Heroes. What is that? I don't know. Um, Heroes, I think is how it's pronounced. Oh, that TV show. Yes. (laughs) Heroes. With Salar, the bad guy. Um, but that was, I thought, was so brilliant about Angela Petrelli. That character is like you, and a lot of the characters in the shows, you really didn't know if they were good or bad. You weren't sure if you should root for them succeeding or not because, mm-hmm. like, it went back and forth so much, especially exactly. with um, Jack Coleman's character, Horn Room Glasses, as he was originally called or whatever. Right. Um, HRG. HRG. 
for for <laughs> Noah Bennett. Like he, he became a good guy, you thought, but like early on, like you thought he was the bad guy. You had no idea, and like that was I thought was really cool about that show was you didn't know who to root for most of the time. Beautifully written and a lot of yeah. fun to play because you never knew, and you'd open up each script and. Um, it would be like a, a puzzle you're piece, piecing together on a weekly basis. Am I good? Am I bad? And did you have any kind of advanced notice or anything? Or was it really I a surprise? Didn't. I yeah. didn't. It was always a surprise. That's there exciting. Might, there, it was. It was. And then you'd have to try to put all the pieces together as you went along. And there were a lot of pieces There were a in lot that of puzzle. pieces. That would get, I'm so, I have such yeah. a bad short-term memory that I would get really overwhelmed trying to remember what all had happened. There was a point where you just said, okay, (laughs) (laughs) today (laughs) I'm going to do this. But, you know, since it was all cohesive because she was one character, so it was fun. That's awesome. It was fun. Do you you think your part was that developed at the beginning, or do you think they just kind of discovered Angela as they went along? Or do you think they had the backstory kind of figured out for her? I really don't know to this day. I th- yeah, I, I, yeah I, I really don't know. Certainly, I didn't. I, I assumed at the in the pilot, the two hour pilot that uh, we did, that it was the father who had the powers. I mm-hmm. didn't know, and no one clued me in. Sort of like my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of feel early on that it's kind of the the senator's wife kind of thing, where it's like she's got to keep a good face and you know be the matriarch of the family and you know be good for their political careers and stuff like that but then you find out that she's pulling the strings a lot which i thought was pretty exactly. awesome she had an edge in that pilot she had an edge she slapped her son and it, it was fun it felt good to slap him <laughs> <laughs> dear milo <laughs> what a babe Cute. Right. My sons were so cute. Oh my god. Adrian and Milo. Oh Delicious. My gosh. So cute and very sweet. Were you nice allowed guys. to have like a motherly crush on them? I don't go there. No. <laughs> Ew. That was a good no, answer. I, I, no, I, I really thought of them as my sons. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And everyone, I've heard only good things about everybody getting along and even some people loving each other. Uh, it was a really fine uh, <laughs> cast of people. Really so lovely. Cool. And, and it is starting from the top down. You know, I always feel it comes from the executive producers and whoever they hire. Yeah. Ca- right. Cast and crew. Crew was terrific. It was just a lovely place to go to work. And when it keeps being like that, it ha- develops into a family, I'm sure. Like Absolutely. So that's, that's one of the reasons it's so sad. To, your heart just breaks, yeah. you know, when, when the end comes. It's amazing that shows get that long nowadays at all. Like, it's so rare. Mm-hmm. Like, most shows, if you get a season or two, it's like, we won. <laughs> really, to, yeah. to go for, what was it, six or no, five? No, no, no. Four? Oh, four. Four, four. Four, which was amazing. They and spread them out, so it's always hard to tell, like, we were, how long. Yeah, we were. Uh, we had a shortened second season because of the writer's strike. Strike, that's oh, right. That's, right. that's so what yeah. happened, it was yeah. a, l- a little odd. And uh, Oh, I remember that killing me because of, like... That during the whole, I mean, this is the big issue about the writer's strike, is the shows you follow that then they're not happening. And like that feeling of totally not knowing when they're going to come back. That was, I, I'm in an anxiety place. Yeah, that was, it, I feel like the writer's strike killed a lot of shows that would have done, like Pushing Daisies. Pushing Daisies, died yeah, exactly. Oh, such a good that's, show. The, that's the one that comes to mind yeah. immediately. Brian Fuller, brilliant. And uh, just, it just it was gaining momentum. So momentum it was so yeah. critically and publicly acclaimed, and then you lost. It's so beautiful, such a yeah, good looking I, show. I say that's the, to me that's the first show that felt like it was made for HD. Like, oh yeah, yeah. the look of that show is just brilliant. The colors pop really big, especially in HD. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I loved it when it came. out. I still love it. I thought you know 
I think they screwed up in the second season trying to, like, kind of, they weren't going to air the ending of it. And mm. also, it's like, you filmed the episodes. Like, come on. Yeah. And then they finally just kind of ran them all off on a Saturday night or something. Oh, I remember that. That was, yeah. that such was a shame. Yeah. Such a good, well-written show. And so many Beautifully people that cast. are doing awesome things. Yeah. yeah. Like, a lot of stage actors in that show. Spoosy. Yep. Exactly. And um, they're still doing good, exciting stuff. Yeah. Little Kristen Chenoweth was cute on that, too. I mean, it definitely was a really quirky show. Like, I, yeah. I, I feel like either you bought into it and really dug the tone of it, or you're just like, this is not for me. <laughs> and I I think that they, it gained its momentum. It had its long break. Uh, not enough people came back to it, and it wasn't a cheap show to produce. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what There are it. so many fans, though. That's one of those shows that still has, like, you know, a big push. Like, it, it's become a cult classic, which is exciting. I love... Yeah, I'm going to go back and watch it again now. Yeah. Isn't it exciting yeah. to be like, oh, yeah, that. That was exciting. And then maybe they'll make a movie of it. That happens. It could happen. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Why not? And it would look beautiful. And you could wear 3D glasses. That would be a good 3D movie. <gasps> Speaking of 3D movies. Oh, I didn't see it in transition. 3D. <laughs> yeah, this is a transition. But I didn't even mean for it to happen. Toy Story 3. I think that 3, it is in 3D though, right? I it is. I saw, I saw it You've got to see it. It's so I, good. You um, liked for, Up, for, huh? I loved Up. And I didn't even get to see that in 3D. I was taking my sister's grandchildren to uh, the movies, and that was the, it was showing the regular one mm-hmm. at the time that we could go. And I adored that film. Me, too. The Cried first like four ten times. Minutes, the first ten minutes of Up oh. is the best ten minutes of any movie that you're easy. Yeah. After that, it was almost a letdown. I still loved it, but that first ten oh, minutes was so great that I was just like, you can, anything that happens after this cannot that was possibly its own live film, up to that it. First it really was. I'm it totally really covered with chills right now and <laughs> beginning to cry because it was so beautiful, so perfect. Oh, so perfect. Oh, I'm not like, I'm, I feel like Toy Story three tapped into a lot of that same like timeless, beautiful storytelling, and I've never seen a three a third movie that's like that good. That's still. I mean, it got better and better and better, and they tied everything Obviously together. Obviously, you haven't seen Shrek the Third. Oh, yeah, you're right. I haven't seen that yet. So. <laughs> no, they really, they really did. They did a great job uh, with that movie, and um, it's scary. Like, let's yeah. not yeah. mince words here. It's pretty intense. Which one? Toy Story, Story 3. 3. Really? Yeah. yeah. You're kidding. It's, no. It gets pretty intense in the last, no like, Oh, my third. gosh. The last third, it is really dark, and... I was You're kidding me. No. Uh-uh. It's so but here's I the can't thing. wait for you to see it. It's parents parents will say, "Oh, it's too scary." But honestly, it's the parents that have a bigger problem with it than the yes. kids will. And I feel like people don't give kids enough credit for that cuz I watched a lot of stuff that nowadays, you know, parents would be like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, that's way too intense yeah. for kids." But like kids are a little more mature than a lot of people give them credit well, for. Well, and also they're not tapping into all the stuff that adults are. Like I was watching it with kids and I, I I kept hearing people say, you're going to cry. It's so emotional. I'd made it through the whole thing and not shed a tear, and I was like, I'm going to be fine. But then the last 15 minutes of that film, I'm not going to give you a spoiler except for to say, it's gonna. It's just so beautifully done. It's like Up, where it's just like, yeah. oh, so many emotions are being tapped into. Yeah. And I knew that I was crying, but then I heard myself go, <gasps> and like snot is coming out of my face. The kids are making fun of me. I lost it so hard. They just had a fun time at the movie. They're like, that was no, great. Why were you making? Why were you so upset? And if you go back to pre-movie and uh, pre-TV, you yeah. you have fairy tales that were very yeah. very scary. So dark. That's just really dark. Yeah, women, uh, women, children. <laughs> and women like to be scared, you know. It's yeah. part of growing up. It's well, part of 
all meant as cautionary tales too. Like they're meant to scare the kids. Exactly. Right. So like don't wander out into the woods because you are going to get mauled to death oven. by a wolf or put in an oven and baked. <laughs> like they tried to freak you out. It's yeah. the dragon, but it's actually sure. Yeah. They, yeah. Exactly. Ooh. Well, there's no bad badness in Toy Story for me. Just good goodness. I can't wait for you to see it. I remember when we, uh, I saw Toy Story the first. Yeah. And I saw with a guy I was dating and his children. And the kids just took it for granted because the animation was something that we, he and I, had never seen. You right. Know, we grew up with Disney, but nothing like it wasn't 3d but to us it was yeah. it, the crispness the the reality of the and we just kept on looking at each other in awe of of this new um type of animation yeah it's, it's so weird cool. to me that how far computer animations come and i kind of miss hand-drawn a little bit i was glad when princess and the frog came out because i was yeah. like i miss hand-drawn like there's a certain yeah. warmth to it but computer animation is so amazing now i, I have a friend who works at pixar this guy yeah. dylan who uh, I used to work at a video store with back in Davis when I was in high school and college. And he, it's funny to me because he was like a total goober. He used to shoot rubber bands at me while we were working when I was trying to ring stuff. I was like, Dylan, cut it out. But he would show me these little things he was working on in his computer, these really like base animations that were just kind of, all right, Dylan, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bad, like some guy walking through a hallway yeah. kind of stuff. And then he got a job at Pixar and Ooh. started initially, the first thing he did was the Toy Story animated storybook, which was a CD-ROM game kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then from that, he moved on and was in charge of the the bird in A Bug's Life, like the real bird oh, yeah. that came down. Like, he was in charge of that. And then he was one of the directors of animation on Finding Nemo. Oh, my um, gosh. So he's all, I see his name all the time in these things. And, like, he's a big wig at, at, at Pixar now. And I'm like, this is the guy that shot rubber bands at me and showed me these that's amazing. awful so animations. Cool. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, like, a part of, of this upcoming, you know, this new kind of storytelling that's happening that are these people that you grow up with that are just doodling you know and now you can do anything and I loved watching the credits for Toy Story 3 because it's like oh uh, grass animator or like bug person because there's so many little bitty jobs that like someone is telling the story of that little bug throughout the thing what I love is in the credits for all the Pixar movies it always says production babies I don't know if you noticed that. No, what is, what is that? It's what just that? production babies, and it's all the babies that were born during the production of the film. Weird. So it's all the names of, like, it's like Amber, Anna, like, it's, <laughs> al- it's alphabetical. All these kids, there's, and it's, like, hundreds of kids. Because it was so many years. It's so many years, so many people working wow. on it. Yeah, every, every Pixar movie has it towards the end of the credits, so... And if you do see Toy Story 3, it's not that important to see it in 3D. I feel okay. like did it's... Did you see it that way? I saw it in 3D. Oh, um, of course it's, you did. It's, well, so I didn't really have it. an option by my house. It was like only oh, in 3D yeah. screens. Um, it's, the 3D's fine, but it wasn't necessarily conceived that way. So it, it's, oh, it's not yeah. like... It, it was better in Up. Like Up 3D really kind of filled it out or Avatar or whatever. But Toy Story is so eye-popping with its colors that when you do the 3D, you lose some of the colors when you're looking through those glasses. It mutes it a little bit. So if you do have the 2D option, I would say almost go for that because it'll be brighter. Save a few bucks. Maybe get some popcorn (laughs) if you're interested. (laughs) Bargain hunting. Take a loan out and buy some popcorn. 3D television. What do you guys think that's going to be like? I don't know. I mean, that's coming, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. You don't because what's happening? E three is that that thing that's happening now? The yeah, convention. The convention. They're they're having video games now that are three D Nintendo without glasses or anything. Isn't that creepy? It's creepy. I feel we're like just, that's going to do something to our brain. I feel like we're going down that rabbit hole. You know, we're so immersed. We're we're surrounded yeah. by our right. electronics and it becoming a part of. It's like Wally or. Wally, Wally, <laughs> Wally. How do you say that movie? Wally, Wally. Um, well, 
You know how you become like the if if virtual reality keeps growing, why will people go in the real world? That's true. Well, it's happening now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, I think part of the the kids gaining so much weight is that, and, and me. Yeah. What am I talking about? Yeah. I've seen is huge. Uh, by the way. Yeah, she really is, ballooned after hearing this. Three hundred pounds now. Three hundred. Well, this is this, but this is what I do. I I I like the reality competition shows. Oh, yeah. I lo- oh, and I didn't even uh, write this down. Biggest Loser. And oh, I will yeah. sit for yeah. two hours and eat. Me too. I'm I on- just eat. I always think that I'm the biggest loser when I watch that, <laughs> like a real life loser, because I'm sitting on my couch under a blanket with like a bowl of dry Cheerios and just like, oh, oh. I've sat there with like a carton of ice cream yes. and watching Mickey's Looser and I'm like, oh, this is silly. But I, I love the show. I don't know why I love these shows, but that's they're, one of them. They're I, so they're exciting. Extraordinary transformations. Yes. And yeah. it can be, it's, it's, it's joy-filled. And it's like, I love a good makeover show. Yes. So much. And yes. Biggest Loser is like a makeover show for their whole life. Yeah. And then they get the actual makeover at some point. Yes. So Tim Gunn Ooh. comes in and... And yeah. they pick people, I am sure, um, this is a theory, but I am sure of my theory, that when people apply for Biggest Loser, they put their faces into a computer and like minus 300 pounds because they always pick people that turn out to be incredibly attractive. That is so eerie and icky and bizarre And concept. probably true, right? No, really? <laughs> Could be. I think so. I really think so. I feel like they just kind of pick people that are like are either have dramatic backstories or have big personalities because they want some drama. Or they want some tension if there they too. They lost three hundred pounds. Will be supermodels, right? Right. Some of these some of these guys are so big though they lose three hundred pounds and they still have three hundred pounds. Oh, to lose. Well, that one gentleman this this season Michael? did, and I yeah. thought he looked great. Yeah, he Even, looked great. I knew mm-hmm. he had more to lose, but I thought he looked remarkable. And but so did happy he won? too. Yeah, yeah he, he won. won. Oh, yeah. I was really excited about that. That's amazing. Did you start watching Top Chef this season? Yes. That just started? Yes. I'm excited. Okay, remind me. I'm old and I forget. Tell me what's... It's in D.C. Yeah, no, 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 oh. no. I've been watching it, but who yeah. are the contestants? Who are some of the... Uh, Angelo's the guy that kind of dominated the first episode. The guy he won both. up to oh, be the yes. bad guy. So it's yeah. only been one. He's yeah. won, he won two. He won the quick fire yeah. and, and he won the... And he, won the, he, won. he said that He's, he wants to be the one to win... Ev- the first contestant to win, to win every everything. Challenge. Yeah, and he's being set up as the bad guy, yep. isn't he? Yeah. Yep. It's He's so a big weird. personality, which I, they always have to have a couple guys that are cocky on there because they want they want the drama too. They want good food, but they want the drama. And you can tell in the little confessionals that they've sort of been goaded into saying these certain things. Like, oh, I think absolutely. Yeah. And then it's edited down to that. You know, they really. Right. But that one gal on Biggest Loser who was the wife of one of the guys, and she was really mean, and she really wanted to get some. Oh, they kept oh, throwing it. The red right team. Or? Yeah, she's the one who who kept the, the throwing southern it. red team guys. Yeah, yeah, and she she was interesting but they really wanted her back which is why for the first time um, they they had something where they came back or she had the opportunity to come back late late in the game and oh, I think they yeah. wanted some conflict yep. yeah and she got in but she was out the, immediately but they do I they they do want some conflict just to make it dramatic right right but it's like at this point you can so tell, like with Angelo, first episode, like oh we're supposed to not like Angelo. That I kind of feel like he's, he's like Marcel mad about it. Oh, yes. yeah, Marcel from season two. Like yeah. he's cocky, but he's really good. He can back it up. And his whole, the, Marcel's whole thing was the the gastro whatever that was with the foams and all yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff, gastro molecular uh, whatever. I can normally say it, but I can't right now. Um, yeah, but Angela's cocky. Usually that rolls off cold Ro- stuff. Really easily. I just walk around <laughs> saying that term over and over. Um, but what I do with uh, all these reality shows, and my wife and I watch most of the ones together, we always, from the first episode of the series, from the opening credits, 
we have to pick who we think is going to win. <gasps> oh, how do you do? We usually do pretty well. At least one of us will. Um, this season, we actually both picked the same person because we watched it. We didn't watch it at the same time, and then oh. we're like, "Oh, we both picked Kenny." Okay, who's Kenny? Which one was Kenny? Kenny was the one that got second in like the both of the oh, times. Oh, the big African American. Yeah, the guy yeah. that uh, has his own catering company or whatever. Is pretty, I like pretty him. confident. I do. He was I such liked a him. Fast chopper. I yeah. liked him very he can much. Do fresh. Oh, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have that. The cockiness factor. I mean, he does. He has his strength, in it, but it's it seems not like self-assured. Uh, yeah, but not self-assured. Mean. Yeah, yeah. I want him to. Um, and wait. Oh, I was sad that 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 bizarre man got off. So I was early. not. Really? He was <laughs> a There's something bizarre. creepy about cooks that have like dirty dreads. I'm just gonna say <laughs> it. Like you're preparing my food, yeah. and your hair is just barely behind you, and it's like, I like disgusting. I like dreads, but his were not. Not, not well kept. No, no. no. But he was he was a he James was... Beard nominee, and I was like, I'm sure he's got to be good. And then he just didn't come through. I, yeah. I mean, I'm always sad for the first person that gets off because it's like I just imagine if that was me, I have already told my family so I'm going to be on it, and it's like. Uh, oh. You know what's worse than that though is that one season it was one or two ago where they had like a quick fire at the very beginning. They're like, and one of you is going home from this quick oh, fire. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those prep things where they kept like eliminating people till it was down to like three people. Then yeah. they had to cook a dish, and the worst dish went home. And uh, it was this like young, like twenty-something girl, really cute and personable, yeah. and just and you know they gave her a little bit of camera time going up to that. Yeah. So you started so to care about sad, her enough, yeah. and then you're like, oh, and she's gone. She doesn't have a chance to cook at all, and it's like. Well, that's too really, early. That's I don't yeah. remember that happening. In, uh, but I, I totally believe you. Yeah, that's true. But, <laughs> that's true. Well, but I, that, that would be horrible. I, uh, some of the shows have just begun. There's um, that art show, the next great artist that Sarah oh, Jessica Parker, Parker has started. It's yeah? about thir- three in, and that's sort of interesting. And it, it, mm. So I, you've seen a lot of people just get shoved off immediately right top design just started to oh I'm yeah so, i'm so hooked on these things <laughs> i love tivo so much and these reality shows are so exciting like when they have a goal and i don't know i love it i love yeah. those shows. i loved it when they used to show top design which I, now i think it's design starts different yes but, exactly um but i love Vern yip and so i'm glad he's oh yeah he's yeah. one of the judges top design was one of my favorite shows before those on bravo that todd oldham co- hosted oh, yeah he's like the nicest person in the history of the world on that show like never yeah. a bad thing to say any, about anybody you'd always just come on, hey designers what's going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> terrific Sunshine and rainbows, like <laughs> all the time, and I was like, "That's so refreshing." Because so many of these hosts are just like basically like, "Yeah, they're trying to remain neutral," but every single question they ask is loaded because yeah. right. they know they've seen the confessional tapes, and the producers are like, "All right, you need to ask this person what he thought of that vote," because yeah. then that person's going to be like, "Oh, it could have gone differently," and then it's going to cause dirty looks, and then they're going to start you know fighting with each other. But, yeah, but Todd always felt like he's just like, just "Oh, nice shucks." <laughs> <laughs> now so. you both watch something I don't watch, and I really want to watch it. So you think you can dance. dance. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. It's the best show. It's oh, great. I get chills. Why is it so exciting? It's because to dance. I can't dance for the life of me. <laughs> Which is why I think it works so great for people because you can you kind of like feel like you're dancing in a sense, like you're with these people, <laughs> but you don't the actually have to do thing it. I've ever heard. But it's no, but they're really good dancers. Yeah. They're, they're young great. people, really good dancers. And it's just beautiful. And some of it can be terrible, like one of the last seasons, the Russian dance was Ooh, terrible. I'm so bad. But then there can be there can be ecstatic moments where it's just beauty. Just beauty with the, and and the music. I mean, it can have such an impact, just put you in the mood. Yeah. yeah. And that can make you sore. It's sort of not fair in sometimes uh, that way because music is so potent as well and it adds to the dancing. But oh my gosh. 
I love that. It's show. really great. It's a it's a mixture of like the routines that work were like it was a good choreographer that the right dancers paired with them and they picked the right piece of music. So wait, is it all different dancers for themselves, or is the, are they being shuffled in and out of each other? Or? Well, here's how they do. This season is different from the past seasons. In the past, they would do the top twenty dancers and they would pair them up. And, and these are professional dancers. Mm, some of them. Some of them. Okay. Um, it's mo- anybody can audition. Like it's like American Idol. Okay. But there, I don't think there's quite the same restrictions that American Idol has. Whereas like if you've had a recording right. contract, you can't do it. That kind of stuff. So there's some guys. This guy Alex Wong, who's on the show, he was supposed to be on last season or season before, but he had a contract with the Miami Ballet and they wouldn't let him Ooh. out of it. Um, so that's why he came back to Vegas week this weekend. He got on because he fulfilled his contract. Is it Miami Ballet? Something like that. I think I, it, it was somewhere I, in Miami. Yes, I think so. I, I, okay, this is. I, I thought it was Balanchine. Hmm. Google, Ooh. Google. We'll it was one of the top. I thought it was one of the top New York. Uh, yeah. okay, but you know what? <laughs> uh, my memory is gone. So <laughs> I've been I've been wrong several times just this morning. Really? Yes, absolutely. No, me too. Got in the wrong car. You know. <laughs> So I don't know. Wired the wrong ride this morning. But that's why I love Google. That's another one of my favorite things. But um, I keep keep a Google list all day. Just just because. Yep. Yeah, you can find out anything really quickly. But the the bad news is, I can't remember what I've Googled. Like I have a memory of being like, oh, I looked that up, but I don't remember (laughs) the answer. It's just like I'm bragging that I've looked it up before. That's Mm. well. That's weird. You got to work on that. Yeah, that's. I got to hone in on like. Retention. So speaking of, sorry, the Nets. Yes, back to <laughs> um, What they did this season and how it's different yes. is um, instead of the top 20, it's yeah. a top 10 because they brought back 10 all-star dancers from previous seasons. Oh, that's Who fun. aren't competing but are there to like make them look good and help them out. So And then they have built-in fans because I'm sure like you have old favorites that are back Yeah, around. but yeah. he switches every week. So it's not like they'll be like, oh, I love Twitch oh. and he's with this other person. They're going to get the benefit of the, his vote calls. I didn't think I was going to like it, and I love it because it it brings out the best in each dancer because very often they'd be paired with one of the other other uh, top 20 or top 12, whatever it came down to, and neither of them knew how to dance or the uh, one did a particular style and the other oh. didn't, so it right. dragged them down, and this lets each of them soar, and the dancing has been remarkable. It's been really good. I want to see it so bad. It's, I don't have... Should. It's not on online, though. No. On Fox. I'm watching on actual television. So Weird. Gonna right? Start taping. In 3D. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. I've gone to a couple, though, a couple of the live shows. <gasps> you have? Oh, really? oh, You're yeah. a real fan. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. The first season, I, I, I got tickets, and I was working both. I got a ticket. I got a couple of tickets in San Diego, and tickets at the... Um, the one in downtown LA, which one? It doesn't matter. And I was working both days, oh, and no. so I had to give them away. But I have been to a couple. However, the last one, what is that one down? What's that? Not, is it the Kodak? The Nokia. 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 Oh. Yeah. And it's a beautiful theater. But I got a good seat, and and it's it's. I had a guy in back of me, and I. That's one of my gripes this season. Uh, there's a new thing with audiences screaming, mm. and the I can't possibly do it right now, but it's <sighs> they go, woo, woo, really, really loud. I was going to say, know, that they, wasn't bad at all. No, they, they, they hoot. I, I blow when somebody John's does like out. a nice dance move. Or like, well, but now they're just doing it like all, willing all, to, all to the time. Yeah, and I had a guy sitting in back of me that was doing it, and it would just oh. course through your body because it was so loud, and you didn't know when it was coming. I had to move, and it really, really spoiled the evening. Oh. And then this, and it was never really bothering me 
this uh, uh, watching the show, except this last week, Alex danced that exquisite dance to mm-hmm. Tim Buckley singing Leonard Cohen's the Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. And it was quiet as it should have been, but then you had people in the audience singing, just screaming. Just one person would scream, Alex, and then oh. these hoots, and it, yeah. it it ruined the mood. And I literally, I went back and watched it with the sound off because, and which meant I couldn't even listen to the music. Oh. But I'm, I hope that they get that, that they can mute that or or dilute that at on um, you know live or in the uh, editing room yeah. at right. some point. Because do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, oh, it's yeah. distracting. It's it's kind of like uh, in golf. Where everybody's quiet yes. when you make the putt, like they should treat dance the same way. Like, I don't need to hear you hooting and hollering for just cheer for them afterwards. And live Get, shows, I've been to tapings of, um, like, like night talk shows. They've always said, "Don't make the woo noise or the who noise." Oh, that's interesting. So there's something about the the shrillness. Yeah, of it I, the, I don't know what pitch. it is, but well, it's, it's been the, like a specific instruction. It's like those horns at the, 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 the Yeah, it's but much less obviously, yeah. but it's the same concept. It's so distracting and uh but they want the audience's enthusiasm, so how do you modulate that? You don't want right. to You've it's done weird. a ton of TV shows. Have you done in front of live audiences much oh, yeah. work with TV? Oh, yeah, well that's how I started. I was in the theater for many, many right, years, right. so and and then I transitioned into television most first thing not the first thing i did but one of the first things was a pilot for cbs when i was in new york and um and that was in front of an audience and so but the pilots um the pilots i did when i was first starting out were all half hour sitcoms yeah. it, uh, and and most of them were in front of the audience do you prefer that kind of taping experience i love a single camera yeah yeah because yeah. and and i did a short-lived uh Half-hour sitcom, Ferris Bueller. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And, We're going to bring that And uh, that was fun because it was the first time you, you could do the smallest things. And, and Jennifer Aniston was brilliant yeah. in that. That was before she was known. And she, I think she's embarrassed by it now. But you could tell she was 20, 21 years old. And I can, I can still see her walking to answer the door. And she was funny. Because oh it was gosh. the attitude that she walked to the door with. She was just wonderful even then. But the with a one-camera, half-hour sit- sitcom, it can y- you can do more subtle things right. and, uh, and have fun with it. For some reason, I keep on thinking of I was, uh, I was misting, my character was misting a um, ficus, <laughs> and I, I blew on it gently on the leaves, and that made me laugh. And so, <laughs> but that's something you could do that might not translate right. if you have an audience in the in the uh, in the room. And that's definitely a well, not a bonus, but a fun like transition as an actor to go from stage to something so intimate. You know, I think one of the problems for me was I was used to an audience, so I would be doing the half-hour sitcom, playing to the audience, and I, it was hard to make the transition to the fact that there were cameras close right. to me. Right. And so maybe that's why it was difficult for me and not as much fun, because it, it was a hard transition. I was too big. Yeah. Too big, playing too big. I think that's a problem I have in general. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it down, but... Like I have the same thing, a, a stage background and exactly. comedy background, and like you want to play to the audience and stuff like that. And, and the audience you forget is is, is right is in right face. in your face, yep. and yep. you don't want to be like underestimating them or yeah. I still I oh. still have that problem. Oh, I think you are so good at keeping it in. Oh no, what I'm sorry, what'd you say? 
You're so good at. Oh wait! Oh, I get it. You're so cool. What did she just say? That's very sweet. Thank you very much. You can do I a would. lot with those eyeballs of yours, lady. They pack a punch. They, they, they. I can make them shoot. No, I. <laughs> I used to. Well, I won't even go into there. Yes, I have eyes. Don't I? <laughs> Two of them. In Two effect. of them. Thank you, God. So uh, I did don't we, know why did I we finish? So, did we finish with? Uh, so you think you can dance? I mean, I could talk about. It. Actually, let's talk about it a little bit more. Okay. I'll say one really? Thing. Okay. Uh, the judges crack me up, and here's why. Um, I'm kind of glad that Mary Murphy's gone because it just became a scream fest every year. And Mary Murphy is just like she's a ballroom professional, mm-hmm. but she's really shrill, and she became a caricature of herself yes. as the season went on because she had this thing called the Hot Tamale Train, which basically <laughs> it, it sounds I stupid because too. it is stupid. <laughs> but basically, she would she would. If somebody did really well, like they were a hot tamale. So she put them on the hot tamale train and then she would get up and scream. She'd go, Wait, what's the train? She'd get up and scream to them. Was there oh, a literal it, train? No, no, no. no. It, was just, it was just a term. She, if she oh. liked the dance, if you thought it was sexy and hot, she would say, you are on the hot tamale train. She'd get up and oh. scream. But also screaming became part of uh, her oh, character. Her and mm. at first it was fun, but then it became very – it became – a caricature. Yeah, yes. they really did. And then it just became the last season or two. Just like We started like fast-forwarding You're like comments. hoping that nobody's she would good just enough get up to get and on the train. And like, <laughs> it would just be constant. And like, the dancers would be all into it because they, like, they wanted to get on the hot tamale train. Ooh. But it just got so distracting and annoying. And, and she's not back this season. Who are the back. judges now? Are they? Uh, Nigel Lithgow, who's the executive oh, yeah. producer, still Brilliant. Here. Brilliant yeah. man. Actually has constructive comments and is great. But and, it's his show and it was yeah. his idea. He's also He was the, um, the executive producer of America. Can Idol, Idol, right? And then the, that's a hit he, maker right there. Yep. But that it's man. changed since he's left, yep. right? Some people think that it might have started to go downhill mm-hmm. after he left. But anyway, but he, I think he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah. Adam Shankman, who uh, directed Hairspray, is choreographer. Oh, and that's fun. Something like that too. Yeah, he's he's big and animated. Uh, and now, uh, what's her face? The contemporary uh, choreographer. I like her very um, much. Whose name is, is Mia oh, Michaels? Mia Michaels, and and these are the two, those two judges, and then she might not be there, and there might be another guest yeah. judge. Oh, yeah. They bring in guest judges a lot, like on Project Runway. Yeah. It's not always yes. Nina Garcia. Yeah, but what's funny about them is like. Uh, and I, I kind of akin it to like if you're watching like figure skating or something and it looks all brilliant and then the uh, the announcer or the judge is like, oh, man, man, they really blew that. And I was like, what are you talking about? You just did like a triple axel and they came. To- no, oh, this this Olympics is over for them. And you're like, what? so sometimes the judges like you'll see it. Sometimes it's really obvious that they, the dancer just was not in their element and it was not good for them. And the comments seem totally deserves. And sometimes they're just, they seem like they're really nitpicking and mean. And I'm like, but they just, I uh. think, I think it's one of those, those things where they're, they're steering like Simon Cowell will steer the, the voting yeah. sometimes yep. with his comments. And they're trying to hone down who they want in the final five or something. You know, there's, it's not all pure. You know, there's a lot of um, um, plotting and planning, I think, uh, on the producer's part, you know, on how people are presented. And, uh, you know, somebody on one of these reality shows might say, oh, my gosh, that was one moment. And the rest of the day I was just so pleasant and everything. But they will take because they're creating... It's it's a hybrid, you yeah. know, of drama and uh, and, and reality. And there's characters lots to film. There's like the archetypes yes. that they need to have. Yes. So. Yep. So, and then sometimes they way overreact, like overpraise. I feel yes. like <laughs> they'll sit there and they'll be like, "If God had come down and danced a dance right now." <laughs> well, well, that's what they she, did with Alex. I yeah. thought it was beautiful. It was but a I great thought, routine, and it, it was beautiful. But I was like, "Really?" I <laughs> really thought they. It was. It, it oddly enough, I thought it was a. 
a little overkill, but then maybe they see things. He's wonderful dancer. He's a really yeah. good dancer. Have you it, seen it was him in person? Routine. No, no, no. Not yet. Are you going to go this season? I won't because I don't like the hoot hooting. Oh. I, I said I won't go back again. <laughs> Put your foot again. down. I, maybe you should write a letter. Or everyone. We have. We just found out we have a lot of listeners. We didn't know. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we finally found a way to figure out what our hits were in our downloads. And but, like, so oh, we can start campaigns now that we have, like, we can harness people. Stop the hoot hooting. Stop the hoot hooting. But, you know, it's become a part of our culture, going back to that. I think it's become a very much a part of audience culture now to hoot hoot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's sad. But, you know, it's interesting. Oh, I'm, I'm just going on here. That's the which whole is, point. Yep. Um, it, you know how people in audiences used to laugh at jokes? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then it transitioned into laughter and applause. Oh, and yeah. now it's applauding very often and huh. to me it's that's uh if you listen to like some of the you know well the talk show hosts yeah. you'll get applause a lot rather than laughter and it's it's it, that means it's it's humorous but not funny but and hmm. now we're going into the hoot hooting oh i hope that we don't stay there like i hope that studios don't yeah. start having Hoot hoot signs like well, lighting up. like the old Arsenio thing where oh, yeah. it was the ooh, 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 oh, ooh, yeah. thing that they had people do. Yeah, um, yeah well, I feel like the applause is, is there to like bail them out most of the time. It's like, this joke's not going to work, but yes. then we'll make them yeah. all applaud so they can get out of the way. Yeah. Well, disco finally faded, so we can only hope that. That's right. So we'll <laughs> One thing at a time. You were really around for that decade. I was saying, please go. You go. were never there. You I got mean, you. But you weren't like into it. Disco. Yeah. No, I didn't think. You know, I came from you know the sixties and fifties and sixties and uh, good music. <laughs> yeah, my da- my dad used to play. He was in a band in like the seventies and he used to it was like a bar band. They would yeah. that, that's how they made their money. They would play gigs at bars in Michigan and they were pretty popular and they did, had their some original songs. They did a lot of covers and they're really goofy and fun. And then disco started to come in and it just like killed all, all these like well kind of I mean yeah. it's. Um, you know, he decided to go the family route, so I guess not because I'm here. Yeah. But, um, but you know, the the whole thing is it just started to kill the touring bands. Like that's how yeah. they made their living because now like the bar owners could just book a you know a DJ to spin the records. Right. And people wanted to dance and they didn't have to pay for those bar bands. Oh, that's interesting. And it interesting. just killed a lot of those bands. So that disco like really hurt the live musicians for quite a while. Especially Mr. Stratton. Yeah. Sorry, Mr. So Stratton. sorry, Mr. Stratton. But now he's got two great kids. That's Yay. right. Yeah. Oh, wait. I want to ask you something. I don't okay. have a segue for it okay. or anything. Okay. But I just don't want to not say it. Okay. So you did some picket fences. I, I did. mean, you've done so mm-hmm. much. Like any good show, you have been on it. How does that feel? You, well, you exaggerate just a wee bit, but, but thank mostly, you. Like, mostly you could look at shows that you love and be like, oh, I've done an episode of that show and gotten to work with those people. I've yeah, been very just, blessed. Just to uh, rattle a few off here for you. We'll come back to pick yeah. fences. These are just some of the shows that Christine has been on. All right, here we go. Friends, Never Growing Pains, it. Moonlighting, Flying uh-huh. Blind, Empty Nest, L.A. Law, Night Court, Picket Fences, now. The Wonder Years, Kate and Allie, <laughs> Uncle Buck TV show. <laughs> Uh, Life Goes On, Murphy Brown, The Famous oh Teddy Z, Newhart, Murder, She Wrote, St. Elsewhere, Valerie's Family, Just the Ten of Us, I'm not even done, Matlock, <laughs> Nash Bridges, uh, The Nanny, Ellen, Grace Under Fire, Chicago Hope, Party of Five, Charmed, Ally McBeal, ER, The King of Queens, It's Like You Know, Providence, <laughs> Six Feet Under, Gilmore Girls, Seventh Heaven, Two and a Half Men, CSI, NCIS, Crossing Jordan, and Boston Legal. And there's more. There, those are just Some. Some. 
That well, let's continue. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you were in the movie Ishtar. <laughs> I was in Ishtar, which I love. I don't. That movie is so it's, like wrongly. I have a aligned. whole theory about that. Yeah. Ishtar. For those who don't know, it was a Dustin Hoffman, Warren Beatty film back in the eighties. Elaine May directed it. Elaine May directed it, and she spent what was a huge sum, and it was a, considered a huge, huge, huge bomb. Yeah. And uh, she was. They were all castigated for it. Is that a word? I think Chast- so and castigated and um and this is my theory it she used a lot of money 20 uh, 20 million dollars uh, or something to and it was much more than people were using at that time mm-hmm. and they went to uh, africa to film some of the African scenes, uh, they they wanted sand dunes, and instead wow. of using the sand dunes up uh, north of us here on the right. coast in right. L.A., they went there. And so they, the, my theory is that the studios wanted to squash the uh, other director's ideas that they might oh. be able to use that much money and be so, and be so self-indulgent. Right. I, and that, because it just wasn't that bad a movie. The first half was just hysterical. It's really funny. I think it's a really decent movie and it's still like, it's not on DVD. Um, really? Yes, it is. Ishtar? Oh, it's not? No, it's oh, okay. not. It's, I've been it's on VHS, but it oh. never has been released on DVD. Weird. Like, you can get it as an import or whatever, you know, Japanese subtitles on it. But um, you can't get it. It's just one of those – it's considered huh. a disaster along the same lines of Heaven's Gate and these other big movies. Yes. These big bloated budgets that did right. not perform well at the box office. Yes. Um, and it didn't get good critical response. It's just one of those movies that, like, I feel like everybody – before even people decided, we're going to hate this. Let's kill this movie. And there was no fair chance. There was no fair chance for it. And I think it's really funny. Yeah. Like, if Especially you, if you the first half before they go to Ishtar. Yeah. Uh, it's it's when Warren Beatty is trying – is he trying to be a comedian or – is that They're what they They're, They're songwriting They're songwriters. Duo and they write these terrible songs. That's it. Uh, the first song that they do in the opening thing is, uh, Telling the truth isn't popular business. <laughs> Honesty and integrity don't go hand in hand. You're good. Uh, oh, my goodness. If you play the Cole's accordion, you'll never be a singer in a rock and roll band. It's not the exact words, I'm sure. But okay. it's like, it's really... I, I like, feel like it's a pretty close approximation. But it's, it's just cheesy enough that like you like believe that these guys actually, like this is what they do yeah. and this is how they make their money and stuff. But it's pretty terrible at the same time. So and, I don't know. It's really funny. And, and BD... Excuse me, Beatty um, uh, plays against type. He's a real nerd, and you yeah. buy it. You buy it. Mm. That's another uh, delicious man. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you've gotten to work with a lot of hunks and babes. That the the Pleasant I've company. had the best looking sons. You know who all I, have been your sons? That's Charlie Schlatter. Charlie Charlie Schlatter. Okay, on Ferris. This is a good um, quiz. Oh. Josh. Josh Radner on How I Met Your Mother. He's just a doll. Mm. And, of course, Milo Ooh. and Adrian. Okay, and see, this is where my mind is just That's absolutely That's an interesting trivia for you to Google about yourself later. It's like how many Let sons Let me see that have? list, Cole. Sure. Who else? And Jennifer, let's see. I wasn't on Top Chef. What is this? Oh, these are <laughs> those are stuff. Okay, okay. Oh, this is Where am I? Right oh, oh, that's me. Okay, that huge that's, paragraph. Yeah. I okay. Well, that's that's all the sons. I okay. No more. That's th- those are all the sons. <laughs> They're I, hot. I think stuff. I have other good-looking children. I don't. I don't have children, but I I play a mother You've on TV. Enough. Did any of them turn into people that like feel like kids to you now? No. No. <laughs> we did I? notice that you worked on a lot of David uh, E. Kelly yeah. shows. David Kelly show. Yeah. He is brilliant. I I 
I've I've had a few favorite characters that I've played out here. One, of course, is Tim Kring's um, Angela mm-hmm. Petrelli, and another one is a character I played on Providence, and I can't remember her name. And uh, she was just wacky. And then Picket Fences. Oh yeah. I oh my! The, the names so are good. going. What was her name? Oh my goodness! Lydia Brock. Lydia Brock. Oh my gosh, yeah. you are good. And I played uh, Tom Skerritt's ex-wife, and she was such an interesting character. And it, what, that's another instance where you walked on the set, and it was such a good feeling. And that's where I first got the idea of it comes from the top down because David Kelly is a class act, and the people he hired were class acts, and it went all the way down. He's put together amazing ensembles. And, uh, okay, so Picket Fences, I love that show. Yes. Such a good, good show. I think ahead of its time in terms of, like, the amount of drama and humor. Like, now there's a lot of shows with that brand of kind of, you know, like a sinister humor. But back then there wasn't, like, that was a new kind of show. And you were on an episode, Sugar and Spice. Yes. With the second ever on TV same-sex kiss. Yes. And the first ever on um, on screen same-sex TV kiss was with David Kelly, too. That was him, too. Like, he's been such a pioneer. What was the second one? Um, well, the first one was the, or was, what's it? Uh, not Boston Legal. Um, it was like a, a legal show. Allie McBeal? No. Um, the Practice? Maybe it was The but Practice. But that was after. That was the, after. This was something before. Because I, I thought this was the first one. I looked it up. It's another Google thing that... There is one before that was also a show of his. L.A. Law? Yeah. He worked on L.A. Yes. Law. Oh, okay. yeah. That makes sense. Um, and so, but that, I mean, that's huge television history. Like, for, to be a part of, there's people pioneering these things and he, that now he, we take he, for he, granted he dealt, It was actually, they mentioned it in TV Guide because it was sort of before its time. And, yeah. uh, and he handled it beautifully. Yeah. Was, and that was back in the early 90s. Yeah. I mean, that was a long time ago. Ooh, I, I love that. And I think it's cool that you keep being on projects with him. And I don't know if that has become a personal relationship or if it's just he does a lot and you do a lot. I, I hope that I get to work with him again. One yeah. never knows. One never knows. Yeah. So cool. Though. It was a blessing to have been working with him as as much as I got to. Yeah, giddy up. And it was when you were talking about uh, pushing daisies, being a little bit offbeat. That's right. what I was thinking. Yep. Picket fences had just that little twist every once in a while. You went, "What the hey?" Yeah. My right. character Lydia Brock uh, came back. She was about to turn. Oh, that was one of the ones where I was. They made my age so much older than I was, and they brought down Tom Skerritt's age. And you go. That's so unfair. Yeah. But I was just at the age where I almost couldn't have kids, and I came back because I wanted his sperm because to, so that it would be a biological brother right. or sister. And that was before its yeah. time. It's sort of odd and, and, and wonderful. He it, just dealt with interesting subjects always, always has. And really classy, too. Not like exposing, not making them Exploited. sensational. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Um, love it. So exciting. I've been blessed to work with some wonderful, wonderful writers out here. Have you written? I don't know. <laughs> no? Is that a no? Or is that no, a, I've a, written notes. Thank you notes. Oh, that's nice. Letters, <laughs> letters to friends. Email. Oh, I've I'm heard of it. Good. I've never I, tried. I wrote a couple but... of the emails just this morning. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? I think this uh, electronic mail is here to stay, guys. What? It's so sad. I don't so think it's a passing, passing fad. I think it's here. Oh. And my mom's like big on like actually handwriting notes and letters and stuff like that because she, she actually wrote an article that they put in some – I think that Davis Enterprise, a local paper, mm-hmm. like saying like this is a lost art. Like yeah. people are – like handwritten correspondence is gone. Like it's – you know, a lot of these people have their old love letters. and their, I do. I have, I have yeah. a box with my old love letters from mm-hmm. – 
the early 70s. And they're just, you know, I, I'm going to cry. I have a I'm going to go back and read some mine. of them. Just kidding. That's right. Now, <laughs> a now disc you of just all those romantic put, put emails. emails in a folder. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you can always print them out. It's true. But to That's see true. them, no, you know, so to different. see them written out and to have, I don't and know. And the effort that someone puts into presentation and all of those things. Exactly. Ugh. And now it's like we're used to that speed of correspondence now. Like, it's almost maddening when you're like, oh, I have to handwrite something. Like, oh, this is taking forever. My thought process is going so much faster. And, and but it, one of the bad, one of the many bad things about email is that you can, when you're writing, you can't reread it. You, uh, in, in, you, you write it and send it, and then you you don't have enough time to ponder yep. how they're reading it yep. and in what context. And I, I have written a, a business email that I worked on and worked on, and I knew what I was saying, and. They read it with a different tone. Yep. yep. And you have to be so very careful. And email is bad, too, for these reasons, because it is like out of your... Once it's out of your hands, who knows where it's going? That's the other thing, Unlike too. a letter. Like, this yeah. can be forwarded. This can be... Ooh. What's well, kind of... It's like you, you can try to be jokey, but, like, you literally have to put a smiley face after it to be like, I am joking. Right. <laughs> because they won't be able to read the tone of it. And they yeah. might say, this person's being a jerk. Yeah. No, no, it's a total silly joke, but, like, you're not going to get that tone unless I literally put, like, a little winky guy after it. Or uh, LOL. Yeah. Oh, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> As I'll get LOL these, like, sometimes, uh, you know, like, I tweet a lot of humorous stuff. Like, yeah. it's, you know, like, I use Twitter as, like, a joke writing application, yeah. in a sense, for me. But I'll get, sometimes I'll get responses back that are just, like, they read tweet it and then before they put like l-o-l-l-m-a-f-o shorts like these long like things and i'm like yeah. i don't know what that is yeah. i have to decipher this is People it like some sort of coder writing, ring that i could use um uh, wait smh after things what is that i didn't know i had to look it up because i keep saying it means shaking my head like that's, that's that a means. new thing to write like like I just tried to go to the grocery store all out of milk SMH like what are you oh my just gosh just shaking my head well that's where Google comes in because you could probably write these all down and find out in two seconds yeah. or one second what it means just, I thought it know. meant something much dirtier I was like SMH <laughs> Your mind like goes. I'm going through all these swear words that don't quite fit together I'm like I guess it could mean that that's dirty though <laughs> sadomasochism hilarious <laughs> it took me a while to figure out what LMFAO was was that F for fat Oh no! What? Oh. F, is, F is the F word, but it's oh. it's it's laughing my effing ass off. That's oh my what that gosh. is. LMFAO. I'm like, really? That my joke was that funny that you can no longer sit because it's, you oh, have oh. gotten rid of. That's so stupid. No, um, I like. Oh. I don't. Mm. I like actually laughing. <laughs> yes. The only one that to me that makes sense is BRB. It's like yes. I'm. I'm going to log away from the cu- computer for a minute. Be right back. Be right back. That's like, good. I'm simple. fine with that. Yeah. It's simple and that literally just means like. And oh, it doesn't BRB, say I like. Go, I'll be right back. BRB. SM head. <laughs> yeah. Doodly doobly. Like we don't need to know, folks. And I don't believe you. I don't believe you're shaking your head. <laughs> this person on Facebook who writes it. This, I'm talking to you. This really is this really is pop culture, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. It actually, really is. you start going and you go, "Oh my goodness, this is all," and it's, and it's all, all new. Yeah, and it all keeps changing too. It really it's does. Like, oh, that's exhausting to think about. I don't even want to talk about it. Like, right. what's going to happen after Facebook and after? Like, there's always going to be a new thing coming. Yeah, it's ugh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Overwhelming. So all before we get to all these questions, oh, we got a lot. Oh yeah. Um, I really quickly want to talk about Maggie Smith because oh, you listed oh, her yeah. as like one of your main influences. Yeah. What what about what about her? Uh, did you? I was I was her? in college. I wasn't going to be an actress. Didn't go away to college to be an actress. Stanford, and right? yeah, well, certainly my parents didn't send me to Stanford <laughs> to be an actress. And I but I got up there and uh, uh, 
wasn't meeting any guys, and the girls in the dorm that were meeting the guys, they were all in this play. They were doing Caucasian Chalk Circle. And I went oh, and I said, wow. Ooh. Yeah, and it, was, it wasn't co-ed at that time. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I auditioned for the next play, and it was uh, Noah Coward's, um, oh, my goodness, oh, oh, Judith Bliss, Hay Fever. And, and, it was, and the guys in the... Um, Hello. Uh, anyway, so I, I did that play um, and in the winter, and two of the guys were coming down to L.A. to uh, see um, Three Sisters, Royal Shakespeare oh. Company, Maggie Smith, and her husband at the time, Robert Stevens. She was playing Masha, and so I got to come down here for my birthday and go see the play. Oh, my gosh. And she was, she did, and I'd done plays, you know, yeah. I, that's what was my extracurricular activity in, in high school, but... I watched her work on stage, and I can't do it on, you know, without showing you, but she had a presence on stage that was so comfortable. I could only say she was she was standing on the floor, and she knew the floor was there. There was a table in mm. front of her, and she, in some way, physically, she, she acknowledged the table. She, there was a time... Oh, oh, upstage, she was sitting at a chair, her back to the audience, and somebody came in with a top, and they were playing with a toy downstage right. And I remember her leaning back in her chair and her, her, her arm dangling and just watching, just watching the, uh, the action downstage right. And it was a comfort and a presence that was so real to me on the stage. That's just in addition to her acting, which was brilliant. And yeah. I, went, I went back, and the next fall, I was in um, another, a Chekhov as well. It was Uncle Vanya, and I played character Masha. But she doesn't say much, but she's on stage a lot. And I used that time to do what I imagined Maggie Smith was doing, which was I saw the table, and when I was doing a scene at the table, I, I used my finger, and I saw the wood, and I, mm. I, I followed the grain of the wood with my... I saw it, and I worked with it, and I just was in a way I'd never been before, and that fascinated me, and that was when I decided to be an actress. Wow. And so... Um, and she's just brilliant, and she's she great. And she's really funny, too. Like, hysterical. She can do everything. She can do everything, yeah. I love her in Murder by Death, that Neil Simon movie. Um, she's so good in that. She was known. Okay, this is my. Uh, it's so many decades ago now when I first heard the story, and it might be all wrong, but I believe. Okay, I don't know if this is right. Okay, but it's something akin to this. Olivier was doing uh, uh, ha- uh, Hamlet, and he wanted her for Ophelia, but she'd been known for her comedy. And he wanted to bring whatever she had into this. She, he saw that potential. I don't know if this is yeah. true, but it's the idea is that's what she was known for, comedy. Right. And, when, and she brought all of that in to do, so there, it's multi-layered, when, whatever work she does. And um, she had the year where she got um, the Emmy, the Tony, and the Oscar. Really? In one year, yeah. Triple crown, wow. I, I think. I think it was all in one year. I is know she's gotten them for all. for Prime of Machine Brody, or is it like... Um, Google, Google alert. Google will fix that. It was what was the miniseries she did that was so good? Oh well, well she's amazing. Though. She's good. Let's yeah, everybody yeah. take our word for it. Look her up if you've never heard of her. Which and she, and not like, because of the possible. Harry Potter movies now, like a whole oh, new generation yeah. oh. is familiar. She's, uh, she's captivating in those two. Whoa, no. she can't. She can, it, 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 she could be terrible, and she's still more brilliant than anybody else. It's yep. very true. 
All right, we got to do these questions. Okay. Let's do the first first. Yeah. You want to ask First it? is quick. Okay. So we always do like, you're first, anything you want. Um, well, not anything you want, anything we want. But the first thing, since you've done Heroes, that we're going to say is, what was your first time you remember? And if you don't have one, that's fine, too. Um, like being oh, afraid of something like supernatural. So if you're a kid, is there a ghost scare? Or- I remember being in my crib. I remember being in my crib and waking up and seeing a flash of light up up at the up in front of at the top of the crib on the right. I, really? I have I have a memory of that. Wow. wow. That's a good one. That's early. Have you seen it again? We dated. <laughs> um, uh, the, the other the other ones have been uh, just but uh, much later um, presences in in two particular things a hotel room in New York City and I uh, went up north to do some theater and it was a, a cast house that they had rented out and I d- couldn't stay in that hotel room and nor and I had to move. Excuse me. After the first night out of that particular bedroom in the house, there was just I felt a presence. Wow. I couldn't sleep. I felt a prison. That's as much as I've ever had. Yeah. My, my parents moved um, into a house in Virginia when I was in like middle school, and they live there still. But it's a big old farmhouse in Virginia that uh, used to be a Civil War hospital. <laughs> and Yikes. it when I'm alone in that house, it, it feels so full of stuff. And I've never like seen a person or anything. Well, I, but I've had so many weird moments of like, like hiding under my covers because someone is looking at me or hearing something go down the stairs. And wow, just that feeling, wow. like talking wow. about it, I get the goosebumps. Just that feeling of the not being alone but just feeling stuff around you. Yeah. Right. And your parents have stayed there? Yeah, my mom and dad are both like, oh, we don't believe in any of that. And I don't <laughs> see how, if you're living in something that was built in 1775, how you can think that there's no other weird kind of energy. In Some there. people have a sensitivity yeah. and others too. I'm yeah. sorry I interrupted. Yeah. Um, oh no, I was, it's, I've had a few things here and there, but to me, the, what this makes me think of is my old roommate in college, this guy, Dave Rappa, who was like, had so many ghost stories and he believed them all. And like, um, but they were really stupid. <laughs> like really dumb. Like he's like, if you're driving through golden gate park in San Francisco, and uh, a cop wants to pull you over, get out of the park because there's a ghost cop. <laughs> he was so serious about that. There's like a ghost car that comes and like if he pulls you, don't, don't, like he was serious about it. Don't pull over. Oh my there's God. a ghost, ghost cop. cop. I'm like, really? Like get a ghost ticket? Go to ghost jail? What's going to happen? Like, he, would tell, he would tell stuff like that all the time. There was like a Toys R Us in the area that was supposedly haunted too that he like had stories so these about. these are all very modern ghosts. Yeah, really super modern <laughs> Really ghosts. contemporary. Really super modern ghosts. And usually like security officers. Yeah, but that's one that cracked me the most. I'm like, oh, beware the ghost cop. <laughs> now, Christine, we're going to quiz you on your career. Yep. I, when I say we, it's really cold, and then okay. if you need help, I'll give Thank hints. you. I will need help. Okay, Absolutely. Okay. I, I'm, I'm scared. She'll give nonsensical clues. Okay. No, they, they <laughs> All right, here we go. Question but one. But you, you totally stumped the guys on the show that I saw, oh, so yeah. I, I feel much better. We okay. did. Yep. Sometimes it happens. They're stumpy. Question Ew. one. <laughs> that sounds weird. No. Uh, first answer is no. <laughs> no. All right, great. Question okay. two. Uh, question one. You played Angela Petrelli on the hit NBC show Heroes. True or false? <laughs> They're really easy. <laughs> I'm confused. Uh, your character was named after Angela Lansbury and inspired by a character that she played in what famous political thriller? Manchurian Candidate. There you Boom. go. Boom. Boom. Good Mrs. already, Eisler. girlfriend. Yeah, I love that movie. That's one of my all-time favorites. Brilliant movie. And I think that it was a long period too. where it wasn't available at all because of uh, the Kennedy, Kennedy. assassination. Ken- oh, I got chills. And Frank chills. Sinatra owned the rights to it, so he yanked it. For many years. For anything. Whoa, yeah. I didn't because know that. Because it came out 
right after, or it was right it was around sixty three. I want to say, yeah, yeah, the movie, yeah. And so it was yanked from distribution forever. You couldn't. Ooh. They re-released it in theaters in '86, I think. Oh my gosh! Um, and it was like a big coming out movie for, for this thing because it's a it's a fantastic film. It's so good, brilliant, way better than the remake. Let's just put it that oh way. Oh my goodness! Why did they even? I bother? don't know why. Why they did they bother? even bother? Why, why touch it? It's I perfect. You remake movies that are flawed that didn't quite work that the concepts are good. Yeah. Um, or you just want to completely reimagine it, but like there's uh, no. no point. No. All right. Good job. You're one for one. <laughs> this is really good. Question two. <laughs> uh, you play Virginia Mosby, Ted's mom and how I met your mother. She weds longtime hippie boyfriend Clint on the episode Homewreckers. Clint sings her an epic song at the wedding, the chorus of which is sung by everyone at the reception, ending with, I am complete with Mahatma Gandhi and the pancakes, and the what mythical creature? Oh. They sometimes have unicorn? fire come out of their nose. Dragon. Yeah, and I was going to say dragon. And the dragon. And you, Virginia. No. And the dragon. And I don't know. That's it. Okay. Just send the and dragon. The dragon. And they, the dragon. They, they sing it several times. And, when... I, and, I held, and I held my hands out because that's what I... I envisioned the dragon was about about eighteen inches. If you watch it, nice. I'm going and, and the, the dragon. dragon. Harry Groner. I Harry love Groner. Harry Groner. He's wonderful. So I've known funny. him since I was like 21. We really? did theater up here at the Pacific Conservatory, of the Performing Arts. Oh my gosh! He was like 18, and uh, some great people came out of that um, that group. It was really wonderful. But we first worked together. <gasps> So many years ago. That's awesome. I love. We should have Harry on the podcast. I think he's okay. so brilliant. Hey, Charlie, Harry. Such a I'm guy. sure you're listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a, g- a good word in for you. <laughs> Here we go. Question three. Uh, and I'm going to alter this slightly. Oh, okay. Uh, since we talked good, about it. Yeah. So you played Barbara Bueller, Ferris's mom, on the TV series adaptation of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, it's been played once before in the movie by what actress? Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. I um, Cindy? Yep. yep. <gasps> what kind of fences? Picket? Cindy Pickett. C- Cindy Pickett. There you okay, go. I had it. Uh, Boom. Good. I got that. That was, a, that was okay. an on-the-fly change to the question, because I was yeah. going to ask about Jennifer Aniston, but we answered that earlier. So Good job. So for three, three. Yeah. Uh, question four. Your first credit really well. is as Jackie Kennedy, alongside such great actors as Ben Gazzara, Francis Lee McCain, and George Weiner, in what 1977 TV film? Well, it's the trial trial of Lee Harvey Oswald. There you yep. go. It was oh. it was a miniseries back mini-series? when we had miniseries. Excellent. You got to be Jackie Kennedy. It was it was interesting. I was in uh, Houston. Was my first job was at the Alley Theater for four seasons, and I stayed one of the last summers and just uh, stayed instead of coming back to California. And I they were auditioning for this miniseries and they were looking for some, you know, uh, Texas people. It's a right to work state. It was. And I went up to audition for, um, Lee Harvey Oswald's wife's Marina Oswald, her best friend. And it was a speaking part at that time. And I went up and I sat down and I was doing, and that's the first time I pulled way back. And they said, you're doing, they knew I was from the theater Mm -hmm. and I, I pulled way, made it small. And they said, you did that well, but you know who she looks like. Oh my gosh. And that's how I got that role. And it was, there was not speaking. What they did is they reshot the, they, they did the assassination at Daly Plaza. And, uh, it was really edgy because it was the first time it had been done. This is 1977. And 
and uh, it, it had only been 14 years. And pu- publications came from, we were in Newsweek. We were, the pictures, Whoa. I had pic- my picture because it was so um, iconic, yeah. an event in the American and world psyche that it was edgy to be reshooting the, sh- the, the assassination, right. refilming or filming the assassination and time magazine, a picture in time wow. magazine and all of the newspapers. I was in, you know, a picture of the, of it happening and so uh, LA times, you know, it was very, and then uh, hundreds, if not people came just to watch it being done. We Ooh. had the extras there, but there were uh, hundreds of other people who came to watch it being done. And we did it over and over oh and God. over wow. and that over. And I was climbing out in the little pink suit. It was July and it was so hot. And I was climbing out over the back of the, of the limousine to, uh, it was a wonder. Oh, David Green, a British director. Tell me when I go on too long. No. Um, he was directing, he was brilliant. And we sat back and the, he had a, because I had seen the film, the Zapruder film, but yeah. then right. that was taken off. The you couldn't you get your, see that anymore, you right. couldn't see that. But at the beginning, I saw the Zapruder film, and so I had seen what had happened. And then there were stills from the Zapruder oh. film in Perry Match, some publication, and he had brought that. And we sat in the back seat of the limo, and he said, "And this is a going through each action," and it was evident to me if you see the Zapruder film, that what happens is part of his head blows off and goes back. And that's what she sees. And she's going back for that. Oh. She oh, watches wow. it and she climbs out over the back oh my for it. It's just a natural reaction. Strange, right? And so she's not going... He said, no, he's, I believe this, my memory, if memory serves, and it often doesn't, Green was, said, no, no, she's going back to try to get the Secret Service who were running up. They weren't on the back of the limo at that time. They were in a car and back. Right. And they, they were running forward, uh, one in particular, and he's the one that gets up and then pushes her back into her seat. And he, and he thought that he, she was going back for help. And, you know, it became a moot point. I did yeah. what she did, which was she moves, and then she moves sort of um, diagonally, where I believe right. she was. Right. And then he just comes and pushes her back into the seat. And uh, so that was interesting. And then I had never done any film this is or TV before, so it was a first, and I didn't hear anyone say that they were going to stop the filming after the first shot, after oh. the shot rings out yeah. uh, from the... Uh, uh, book depository and so i which means i never was supposed to climb out the back right i did mm. i just continued but the limo the guy who was driving the limo didn't know i was oh, back no. there and so he sped up to go down under the overpass and and go all the way around to start over you oh, know wow. getting back to the first place and i was back there spread eagle holding on to the two handles that the secret service men you know used to hold on to you know how they had yeah. that at yeah. the back yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was holding on to, and he didn't know i was back there so i finished that spread eagle in the in the pink suit and it was oh also so gosh. emotional it was just it, it, before, I, i'm talking about technical things here but it was powerful for all of us. You, you were just crying as you were reading the Perry Ugh. Match thing. Just the it was it was it was still and remains so powerful to some of us. You know, most yeah. of us who were around when it happened, and it was just. And then you finally get into the well. Now you have to to do it, 
And uh, but it was a very powerful day, very powerful day, and so surreal sounding. What a it, bizarre yeah, experience! And then, and then at the end, I oh, and they had cut off all my hair. I had had I had longer hair like that, and they mm-hmm. got it to short. And then I was just covered with bruises oh. the next day, uh, the whole body because of climbing out and being pushed back and climbing oh, out wow. and being pushed back. It was a, and then I was just being paid as an extra. And <gasps> no. when they they brought me back, they gave me stunt pay. Oh yeah, ultimately. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Well, it seems obviously the ne- the next thing I should ask you about is Star Trek because that's where we, <laughs> oh. <laughs> we go to from there. But here's your fifth question. Okay. And you're four for four. You're acing these, uh, and I'm going to pronounce no, wait, all these get, words wrong. I didn't get dragon. I got, I said unicorn. Mm. We, but you we got you there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We got you there. Um, all right. Question five. Uh, you played Jiral. Jiral. Yeah. Jiral on two episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, she survived the Katomer massacre and married Tokath, who was a Romulan. Uh, Jarrell herself was not a Romulan, but what proud warrior race? Oh, she was a Klingon. Yes, she was. Boom. Kada. <laughs> Is that makeup crazy to put on? It was. Uh, first of all, you had to go through so much prep. Right. And it was, uh, that was hours of that. And if I, it was hours in the seat to, to put the makeup on and the, and the wig. I want to, and then if you were lucky, it took a long time to take off because otherwise that they're ripping it off. Oh. You have to be very, very careful and put on a lot of the, uh, the, the stuff that gets rid of the adhesive because you can just get raw, you know, uh, taking it off. But it was, I want to say four to six hours oh, every, every morning. Yeah. Whoa. I can't imagine Michael Doran doing that. Like he, and now I, well, again, memory, um, I, re, I think he stopped having it. Uh, he they modified it a little bit because he was getting raw, and maybe it was the nose, uh, the the stuff where they glued the it on over the nose, yeah. something right. because it was just too rough on his skin. You know, just can you imagine? I get how- a rash from like the wrong soap. I can't imagine. <laughs> You can't a play Klingon. Sorry, Vanessa. Will there be a Klingon? <laughs> oh, don't, don't bust my bubble. Something All right, let's, let's do your five. Okay, are you ready for these? Yes. These are uh, hardcore. If you had to pick, honestly, between the most amazing home theater in the world, you beautiful, huge screen, amazing seats, 3D, capable, okay, or a small but signed Picasso, what do you pick? Mm-hmm. This is tough. wasn't tough for me. Yeah, <laughs> the home theater. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, I mean the Picasso is nice, but I'd say put that in a museum and yeah. let me watch. I mean, you could watch a video about Picasso. Yeah, in three D. Yeah, put no. it in a museum. Good viewpoint. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. That's Boom. It. Yeah. Okay, skinniest celebrity, and you just show me with your hands how big, and then I'll relate that. that you've ever met. Yeah. The skinniest. Oh, oh, um, you know, I heard you ask that, yeah. and the first uh, on the other thing. Uh, it, what I'm, what came to my mind immediately yeah. was um, Mick Jagger. I really? Pa- I passed him. I was in New York City, and I passed him. I was walking on uh, 57th Street, crossing 5th, I believe, and he walked the other way. He walked right past me. And he's like two beans across? I just remember him being very thin. Wow. I don't know if, you know, I, was, I stood behind Steven Tyler. Isn't it interesting? I'm talking men, men and women. Men, I love yeah. it. No, I think that, that is a uh, welcome change. Are yeah, tiny, I, tiny. I, I stood behind it. Yeah, ice cream shop or something. Steven Tyler once, and, he was and both of them are musicians. Wow, That's it's weird to me that like the Stones are still around and still touring. Like I, I have a theory that Keith Richards actually died about twenty years ago, <laughs> and now it's just Jim Henson did a animatronic <laughs> thing, and that's what he's it's just that's what it's been for it's the last twenty years. It's amazing that, they, that they've lived this. Amazing. It's wonderful. Okay, mermaid for a week or mind reader for a year. 
would you rather be? Mermaid. I don't want to be mind reader. Me either. That yeah, would screw uh, the power, me up. Pe- people ask about powers. You know, yeah. I, 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 because of heroes, I wouldn't want to have. I wouldn't want to know. I wouldn't want to have a, the mind reading Mm-mm. thing. What or, or see the future. It's an incredibly horribly. Yeah, the mind reading thing. Burden. I feel like you think it'd be cool, but then again, like I don't want to know what people think exactly. of me. Like, like you hear, I'd be like, oh, this guy's a loser. What a I, 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 mean? I already like, know. That's the way I feel. I know <laughs> what you're thinking, and I would prefer to just. Walk it out. And it, like what women want, the movie Mel Gibson, oh, yeah. you know, he didn't have such a good time. That was with a that. fun yeah. movie and a fun twist. Okay. Broadway calls. Tells you, hey, congratulations, Christine. You get your own one woman show. What is it called and what's the theme song? Why not? <laughs> you thought <of laughs> Who's your daddy now? I have no <laughs> idea. That's just what first thought they think yeah, why well, not? Who's your dad? Is there a is there a song called Who's Your Daddy? Probably. I mean you could get it I composed. Know. I know yeah. some people you that have garage bands. So. I don't I have no idea what I just said, but that's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> now your last one and the most hard hitting. You tough. have become heir to a candy company and they want to create a confection in your name. What does it taste like? What is this candy? Chocolate. Pure chocolate? Yeah. Darker milk? Mm-hmm. Milk. Yeah? Any yeah. kind of cocoa nibs or anything going on? <laughs> Hard-hitting. Investigative yeah. journalist. <laughs> Vanessa Regler. I ask the questions that count. <laughs> Uh, uh, a little bit of brown sugar. I'm, I'm thinking now of my favorite C's candy. Can we mention brand names? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, there's one right by me too. I just, oh, yeah, I know, C's, I know, I yeah. know. I pass it and I'll be stopping there on the way home. Um, yeah. Uh, in, with regard to my personality, are you saying how it might reflect no, just my anything in- Chocolate. I, I love chocolate. I love chocolate and brown sugar. Oh my, my oh, I can't We wait. love you, Chris. I think it's just weird that there's a sea candies up here in the mountain by the log cabin. Oh yeah. It's, I find it's that bizarre. Unusual. The Alps only has one sea's candy, I just, and I booked our hotel right by. <laughs> I just thought that they would, you know, the, the high mountain towns avoided the commercialism and stuff. Sea's candy but. started in the Alps. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> chocolate history. Swiss, it, was, it was an offshoot of Swiss chocolate, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah so they had a horrible true. break in the family. Yeah. <laughs> and they true. moved to a different mountain. Exactly. Yeah. We did mention continues. that we are, it's a clock cabin in the mountains. In the Alps, yep. in Switzerland. That's yeah. where we are. Mr. They don't even know that. John, were you aware? <laughs> yeah. Well, we love you, Christine. Yeah. And you did Thanks such a good job. I did okay. You did awesome. I did okay. The sweat's kind of dying down now. I'm um, <laughs> so you guys are, before we head out, you yeah. guys did a movie together. Oh, yeah. Yes. Jeffy was here. It's a fun film. And it really Vanessa is. was just hysterically Not funny. Not as hysterical as Christine. Oh, no, no, we were funny. <laughs> we were, it's a darling film. It's making yeah. this a circuit of the... Um, of the uh, film festivals right now and doing very well. Super well. It just took best or grand jury at um, San Francisco. Oh my Excellent. gosh. Ken Marino's in it. Yep. Ken right. Marino and Todd Edwards and they, directed and wrote it and stars in it with uh, Peter Bedgood. Peter Bedgood uh, also uh, co wrote it. Yep. And he's uh, the star along with Todd. And Todd and his brother created. That very famous movie, Hoodwinked. Yes, yeah. So it's I keep an eye out. I think Jeffy was here. It's a lot of fun. It's so good. Yeah, you can go jeffywashere dot com and you can see the fun trailer. And it's doing a lot of festivals, so maybe it'll come near you. Yeah, oh, hopefully. Just might. Yeah, hopefully it'll so be picked up. Yeah, definitely be on the lookout for that. And uh, if you listen to the podcast, um, oh, yeah, which comment. we find out quite a few people do. Yeah, um, even though you're not telling us. Yeah, please uh, leave comments on our website um, or on iTunes. Yeah, um, if anything on iTunes, it'll help us get featured. So yeah. leave a little. 
little comment and a nice review, would you? Yeah. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. And um, look up Christine Rose on IMDb and let your jaw drop. I'm Boom. sure. Yeah, hello. Hello, I'm yeah, yeah. sure. Oh, freaking good. Okay. You, I'm sorry, what'd you just say? What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys for listening. We love you. And thank you, Christine, for being here. It was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. 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 Subscribe to the Pop My Culture Podcast on iTunes. Check us out online at popmyculturepodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at PMC Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>